This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 26, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. Over the coming decades, federal entitlement spending threatens to crowd out all other federal spending and a growing share of GDP. Why not let states deal with it? States have to balance their budgets and, more importantly, balance various kinds of spending against others. Jeff Myron, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, says the alternative to devolving federal entitlement spending could be much worse. How are social insurance programs, at least historically, dealt with at the state level versus the federal level? The historical examples of state level welfare programs, social safety net programs, entitlement programs, were that they were far less generous came with far more restrictions than the federal programs that we have now. For example, there were about 30 state-level Social Security programs that had developed by the early 1930s. They had residency requirements. You had to have been living in that state for a bunch of years. You had to have basically run down almost all of your assets. You had to be very, very poor to qualify. Um, And it didn't pay you much money at all. So it really was a safety net for the most extreme cases, in contrast to current federal Social Security, which provides not an excessively generous, but a reasonable level of income that people can actually retire on and live on in a reasonable way, and comes with far fewer sort of restrictions on who can get it under what conditions you can get it. So how would the United States transition uh, from where we are now with huge Uh, entitlement programs with projected spending out into tens of trillions of dollars to one in which states are essentially uh, dominant. The technical aspects of the transition would involve sort of deciding when to lower the federal tax rates, allow states to develop their own uh, taxes to fund these programs, getting rid of federal rules. But we more or less did that with welfare. That's certainly a good template in 1996. So the mechanics are, are quite doable. The crucial thing is that states, after social programs were devolved on them, would say to themselves, well, if I have a very generous program, I might attract people from other states who want to live in this state because they can get these generals entitlements. So I'm not going to offer a very generous program. Now, people who like these programs say, oh, it, that's the problem. All these states will just say, I'm not going to offer anything at all. Okay? Because, and there'll be this race to the bottom in which every state hardly offers any social welfare spending at all. And the poor, the sick, the elderly will have nothing to fall back on. The evidence doesn't support that at all. States, in fact, have for long periods of time offered some state-level entitlement support, welfare support, they would be much more able to afford more if people weren't paying the taxes to support the federal programs. And states more generally engage in lots of policies that are more costly, that bear this risk of attracting sort of the wrong people or wrong businesses from other states, even though they don't have to. States have higher minimum wages than the federal mandate. States have Some states have more have stricter environmental regulation than the federal mandates. Uh, they have more, uh, more generous Medicaid programs and so on. So states seem to basically be altruistic. The people in most states seem to want to provide some level of social welfare spending. And so what we would expect would be reductions, and that's a good thing, but not a gutting, not a you know something back to the, midi- the Middle Ages or whatever. And so people who think these programs are a good thing shouldn't be concerned that they would be gutted. They would be restrained, and restraining them is exactly what's necessary. But more broadly, there would be a, a significant reduction in the overall long-term liability that exists right now for 
the programs as states try to balance their current spending with uh, these programs that have been dropped in their laps. Absolutely. I think that there, I hope that there would be, and I certainly think that there would be a substantial reduction, but there are many, many ways to reduce these programs in ways that make sense. Higher age of eligibility for Social Security and Medicare is one, obviously. Keeping the level of inflation-adjusted benefits at its current level, rather than raising it sort of several percent a year with, with, along with wage growth, which is what we do okay, under current policy. Taking a whole set of medical conditions, which are not life-threatening, which are not crucial to quality of life, and saying, you know, these are not covered by Medicare slash Medicaid. Introducing co-pays and deductibles. All those things would make the systems work better. Okay? They would reduce expenditures substantially, but they would still allow there to be, they would still mean there would be a decent safety net there. So they would achieve a much better balance between compassion and sort of productive economy. And speaking of balancing, the way Medicaid is currently structured, uh, there is a fairly strong incentive for states to have their Medicaid spending be out of balance given the, the, the federal matches that come. Given the federal on. matches, they don't face a strong incentive to keep it modest. Now, of course, you know states are engaging for Medicaid in very expensive things. They're including conditions that the feds don't require them to include, coverage of conditions. And so that's one piece of evidence that states are not going to just gut these programs. But if they pay the full cost of the whole program, they would have much more incentive to try to keep it more moderate. And that's something that the U.S. has to do or we will be bankrupt. Is there anything particular to the Medicare program? It's it's a a massive program. And in terms of liabilities, it it dwarfs uh, Social Security. Yeah, the Medicare is clearly the the elephant in the room. Unless you slow the growth of Medicare, it doesn't matter what else you do. You could eliminate all other federal spending, and still Medicare will take over the entire budget before many years have gone by. Um, So absolutely, it should also be devolved on the states. There can be state-level Medicare programs, but states would then think much harder about are we really going to give you know free hip replacements to 85 years old who are probably going to die of cancer in six weeks anyway? Those are sensible things to do, and that would help produce some balance in the, you know, the desire to provide medical care to people who are old or sick or whatever or destitute against the efficiency cost, the huge negative on the economy of spending so much on medicine. As bad as some of those difficult decisions sound, um, the intractable, which is a word I come back to a lot, intractable political promises that are made through Medicare and Social Security, those promises, however political and non-contractual in nature, politicians are are loath to not keep those promises. Right. Politicians find it very, very hard to go back on just promising more and swearing that they'll never cut Social Security, they'll never cut Medicare, and so on. Now, I don't know how many are going to be thrilled about the idea of handing Medicare over to the states, but it may be that politically that's a little bit easier to sell, okay? partially because people won't quite recognize that it means cutting Medicare, but still for some politicians, maybe that's a slightly easier sell than just saying we're going to cut federal Medicare. Jeff Myron is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org. 